Good morning. Good to see you all today. Yes, we have vacation Bible school VBS starting tomorrow, and we do have, like I think Colby said, 80-something children pre-registered, which means we'll be well over 100, and uh, we, we have all of our teachers, but we could always use more help uh, shepherding the children. When I mean shepherding, I don't mean pastoring, I mean like sheep herding, like in, herding these children from class to class. Now we have, I think we have 14 fourth graders pre-registered already, and so uh, that class has your name on it, one of you out there, I'm sure, that you can help. And uh, so I remember one year, a few years ago, we, we, we thought, this is a funny story, this is not going to maybe want you to, to get your child here, but it will uh, tell you the importance of having people that can help with crowd control. We had, a few years ago, we had uh, these, uh, this grandmother come in and drop off two of her children, they signed in and we checked them in, and then about an hour later, we couldn't find one. Couldn't find one of the children. We looked everywhere. There were nowhere to be found. And, you know, our volunteers were really worried. So we finally had to just admit that we didn't know where the child was. And so we called the grandmother and said, we can't find this other child. She said, oh, they're with me. Uh, she signed them in, and then the child decided he didn't want to stay, so she took him on home without signing him out, right? And uh, we didn't know that. None of us knew that. And so we talked about that year as the year we lost a child, even though we didn't really lose a child. But, uh, but, you know, sometimes you just need people around to help do that kind of thing, just to make sure everyone gets where they need to get. Because it's a lot of children, and it's a big facility. It took me a year to figure out where I was walking around this facility when I first moved here. Uh, I would get lost in hallways and things. So, anyway, but, but that is this week, and so we're excited about it. And I know my children are, you know, my little three-year-old, John David, he's adjusting to summer because all his siblings are home from school. So he doesn't know what to do with himself. He's all excited. He has people to, to play with him, and he orders them to play with him because he's a little bossy little thing. Uh, my wife and I were talking the other day about how somehow our first three children weren't really bossy, uh, but our fourth children is. So you'd think we'd have one or maybe two or three bossy children between the two of us, but other three weren't really that way, but this fourth child is, is pretty much uh, bossy, and he kind of wants to tell everybody what to do. He told me the other day that I was the child and he was the parent, and... Um, because I said, no, you're the child, and you're the I'm the parent. That's not how that works. He says, I'm the parent, you're the child. And so, you know, he's in that, he's in that phase. But even though that he's very independent and kind of bossy, there's still some things that, that scare him from time to time. And, and he's capable of doing a lot of things, but he'll come to me sometimes and ask me to do something for him. And I'll say, well, you can do that. Why don't you do that? And he won't really tell me what the real reason is. The real reason is it's something that he's scared about. Like, there's a dark hallway to walk through, or the light's not on in the room, and I say, well, why don't you go in there? And he'll say, it's scary. <laughs> and he'll say, well, I'll go with you. you know? And so if I go with him, he's not scared. And he knows that when, if I'm with him, he'll be more eager to go. Even though the hallway's the same, there's, there's no threat. But if I'm with him, he's less afraid. I think many times we are not overly eager to share our faith, to invite people to church, to tell others about Jesus, because we're not like that three-year-old that's about to walk through a dark hallway. We feel like we're doing it on our own. We feel like we, that we're out here on an island and, we, and we're having to do something frightening. But what we don't realize is when it comes to being a witness for Jesus, we are never alone. We always have the Spirit with us. He's always with us. He's holding our hand. He's leading us. He's with us. And whether we know it or not, or realize it or not, he's always with us. And so when we go, we are always going with the Holy Spirit. He is with us. And so today we're talking about 
going with the Spirit as we're in Acts chapter 2. Today in the church calendar, today is Pentecost, and this is actually uh, Pentecost as well as we celebrate it. And so today, chapter 2, verse 1, says that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together. And they were bewildered. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Persia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Verse 14. But Peter Standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father in heaven, as we look at your word today, as we continue to worship you today, that you would show us here in this passage of Acts chapter 2, how the Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go. He's with us when we're on mission. He dwells each believer. We're never alone. So Lord, we take heart in hearing that as we're on mission, but we should also take heart in knowing that truth, Father, just in our everyday lives, how you give us that guidance, that counsel, that we so desperately need, that wisdom that we seek. 
So, Father, I pray that my words today reflect your heart and that you fill me with your spirit, that he speaks through me today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to show you three things about the Holy Spirit as we seek to go and fulfill the Great Commission. Number one, that the Spirit unites your witness. The Spirit unites your witness. We have the same Spirit in all of us. And he unites us together in one body. It says in verse 1 that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they, being the disciples, which is probably about 120 of them, were all together in one place. Now Jesus had told them to wait when he ascended in Acts chapter 1. He said, wait until the day that I come back, or that day that I tell you, and the Comforter will come to you and you will know. And so it's been... Uh, a few days, and Pentecost means 50th, and so it's the 50th day after Passover, the Jewish holiday, where Jesus ate with his disciples, had his last supper right before he was crucified. So Passover occurred in, in mid-April, which is why Easter is often around that time, and, and, and Pentecost was usually the beginning of June, which is why we're celebrating it today. And of all the great Jewish feasts, Passover and also Pentecost was, was the one of the most attended because traveling conditions were best. You could go to Jerusalem, uh, it's the spring, it's the early summer. And so there are travelers from all over the region descending upon Jerusalem. So you had a natural time for all the Jews to be there and both the small band of believers in the Messiah and those who had not yet to be believed to be present. It was kind of a, a high attendance Sunday, so to speak, in that community. Verse 2 tells us that then there came suddenly a, a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. So they're all together in one room, probably similar to this room. All believers, most of them from the same area of town, like many of us are from the same area. Uh, most of us are at least from the south. A lot of us are from this area even. And they're all sitting there together. And this sound comes into the room like a mighty rushing wind it's this, this sound of wind and then divided tongues like that looked like they were a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them so we see two things here we see something we hear something audibly a sign of the holy spirit and then we see something visibly we hear the the sound of wind which we all know what wind sounds like i know when i was a child if i didn't have a friend to play with i'd go out to my into my driveway and i'd play basketball and shoot by myself, and I would play make-believe games, you know, where I'm always hitting a winning shot and winning and all that. And if it was a windy day, I would pretend that the wind were like the fans cheering for me, you know. And so, like, so if I hit like a three-pointer and the and the and the wind got real loud, I would pretend that that was because you know, it was it was loud. It, that was the like the, the fans, and that was the most applause I ever got. But anyway, you know, it it, it was loud enough to, to to know even as a child, like you know, well that's that's loud wind makes a noise and really what the noise is is the wind coming through the trees and things like that and and so that's what the sound was so it was noticeable and then they saw these tongues of a fire now to the jews the appearance of fire was synonymous with the presence of god so god was showing them that he was there amongst them together now the presence of god was a different kind of thing in the old testament you could just get into God's presence. It's a holy place. Uh, when God revealed himself to Moses as a burning bush, he had to take off his shoes. 
when he was a consuming fire on Mount Sinai, and later the presence of God. You couldn't even enter his presence of God unless your sin had been atoned for. So God is showing that he's here with them together. He's uniting them together in a, in a special way. The Spirit of God was resting on each person, which would have been an amazing thing for those Jewish Christian believers to think about and to realize. And it says in verse 4, then they were all filled with the Spirit. And then they did something interesting. They began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them that utterance. They did that for them. So the Holy Spirit here unifies the believers as they speak in different languages. Can you imagine all of us sitting in a room and we start speaking different languages? Many of you start speaking Swahili, others start speaking German, maybe I'm speaking you know, uh, uh, another language from, from Asia, maybe you're speaking Chinese, Korean, uh, what other languages are there? There's all kinds of languages out there we don't even know about, right? Can you imagine that happening? You would know I didn't know that language. I would know you didn't know that language. There's these country boys from Galilee, from Galilee sitting around, these believers, all from the same area out in the country, speaking these foreign languages. It would have been pretty, pretty humorous, if not miraculous. So we see them being able to, to speak these languages, but not really knowing what they're saying at this point. It's just another symbol of how the gospel transcends any cultural barrier, it transcends any ethnic barrier, any language barrier. Here's these people from, from the, the same area, for the most part, of the world, similar backgrounds in this room of 120, mostly followers of Jesus you know, from, from before his resurrection. And they're speaking these exotic languages. God was clearly showing that the Holy Spirit unites all believers in a way that even transcends any sort of identity that they have. You know, there are basically two main identities by which people live from. And if you're a Christian, these are the false identities. We don't need to live from these. First one is, is simply a traditional identity. This used to be how we lived in America, but now it's not that case anymore. It's mainly uh, in Asia and South America and places like this in Africa. And a traditional identity basically teaches that you get your identity from your family. You get your identity from where you're from, uh, your, 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 your culture. And many families had jobs where, where they did. You know, you know, last name Potter means that you were a potter. Last name Smith means that you were a smith. Uh, things like that. And so you, everything was tied up into your family, and the family's need trumped your individual need. Now, we can see that there's benefits in that, but that can be extremely oppressive if your family is not a good family. There can be abuse, all sorts of things can go wrong with that. But most of the world operates under a traditional identity. America operates under a modern identity where the self trumps everything else. The self has no loyalty really to the family. It's all about what the self wants. The self governs everything. Okay, that's kind of how we live. And it's probably harder to cope long-term in that identity than in a traditional identity. But for the Christian, we live in neither of those. We live in a Christian identity. We live in a Christ identity. See, we try to base our identity on our jobs or our family or our hobbies or our social status 
or through our friendships or through our performances or sometimes we, we, we're a victim and we base our identity on negative things like our sin or our guilt or our abuse or our regrets. And we, we base it in that. But as a Christian, we're not to put our identity in any of those things. We're to put them in Jesus Christ. So we don't primarily live for the validation of others, our family, our friends, the traditional identity. And we don't primarily live for the validation of ourselves, the modern identity. We live for the validation of Jesus Christ. That's who we are living for. So when we ask our question, our ultimate question in life shouldn't be, will my family approve of this? And it shouldn't be, will I approve of this? It should be, will Jesus approve of this? Because he is our God. Our family's not our God. We're not the God. Jesus is the God. Sometimes those things merge together and agree. Sometimes they don't. So this is what is happening. We don't ask, will this person be happy with me? Or will I be happy? We ask, will Jesus be happy? That's what we need to know. And when we rightly live out our identity in Christ, united in the Holy Spirit, we become the people in the church that God has called us to be because the Spirit unifies believers' witness together. We're unified in the Spirit. Secondly, not only are we unified in the Spirit, we're supported in our witness by the Spirit. The Spirit supports our witness. Verse 5 says that, in Jerusalem, there were Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. This was a cosmopolitan area at the time. And they heard the sound of the, of the wind. And so they came together to come check it out. And they were bewildered because they heard these Galileans, these people from the country, talking their languages. And they're thinking, wait a second, I'm from Cappadocia. How does this well, country boy know Cappadocia? <laughs> Right? Wait a second, I'm from Egypt. How does this person over here know Egyptian? They all spoke Aramaic. Some of them wrote and read in Greek. That was kind of, Aramaic was kind of the English of the area. But most of the people had their own native tongues. And they did not expect people. It would be like people from Berkeley County speaking these exotic languages. They would be like, what is going on here? They would not have expected. They were stunned. Verse 7 says that they were amazed. They were astonished. See, the Holy Spirit is doing this. He's supporting the witness. And they say in verse 7, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? This backwater county? This backwater area that, that we, we know that what they sound like because they all have a, a specific accent? Aren't these Galileans? And how can we hear in our own language? And he names all these different languages that they hear. And it says in verse 11, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. There's a young man who has a YouTube channel. He lives in New York City. You may have seen him. And, and he's fluent in Mandarin Chinese. He spent a year in Beijing as a student, and he learned it really well, and he continues to learn it well. And he knows it so well when he talks to, to these native Chinese speakers, they're really surprised because they say, you speak better than, than Chinese, native Chinese people with his articulation and where he puts all the syllables and all that kind of thing. And one thing that he, he does, which is kind of funny if you watch his YouTube channel, he'll go in to a Chinese restaurant or he'll go into like a marketplace and he'll, he looks like a typical, you know, early 20s white American male. 
and he'll ask them a question and they'll talk to him or whatever and then then he'll start then he'll turn the mandarin on and he'll start talking to them in chinese and they get all whoa wait a second they get all surprised and they don't realize that he knows it just as well as they do and he knows some other languages too he's done this other languages as well but chinese is his really one he's really good at and they're always caught off guard but then they end up having these long conversations in mandarin and well how do you know this what do you what did you study how can you speak it so well it's like oh i just really study it i don't know and they had these languages and then they had this whole bonding time together one time i saw I watched a video where he was speaking to a, a, a person who knew spanish and they're speaking to a, a chinese person and they're having a conversation in spanish together it's the weirdest thing ever but there's a bond that they would have and they would treat him differently when they realized that he knew their native language. There was a difference in the relationship. I imagine the onlookers saw this as a similar type of amazement. Like, wait a second. How do you know that? Did you study? Are you from here? No. They didn't study. They didn't leave there. What does this mean? They want an explanation. The Holy Spirit is supporting the witness by doing something amazing where people have to ask, what is happening? What is going on? Verse 13, some said, oh, well, they're just filled with new wine. <laughs> they're just drunk. Some people said, well, you know, there's an explanation for that. And that takes us to number three, that the Holy Spirit precedes your witness. Precedes it. See, the good thing about when we're on mission, the Holy Spirit's always going out before us. We're not having to plow the ground. The Holy Spirit does that. He is going out in front of us. So Peter stands up, verse 14, and he gives what's considered the first sermon of the new church. And he says, Men of Judea and all who dwell here, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's 9 a.m. in the morning. That's an interesting way to start a sermon, right? These people are not drunk. <laughs> that's, that's a sermon introduction. No story about his child or anything like that or a cute story. These people aren't drunk. It's 9 a.m. And then he does what a sermon should do. He goes right into the Word of God. And he goes to the prophet Joel. And he said, what you're seeing right now was prophesied. Let me explain it to you and he goes into Joel and he says this in the last days it shall be that God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all people not just the elite not just the educated not just the Romans not just the Jews on all flesh your sons will have the spirit they will prophesy your daughters will prophesy the young men the old men everyone male servants female servants, no matter their lot in life, no matter their role in life, they will all be united by the Holy Spirit. That is the promise. And then he goes into verse 19 and 20 and talks about some future, what it will be like when Christ comes back. And he says in verse 21, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. Holy Spirit does that. He, he precedes our witness. He works in ways that people have to ask, what happened? How did that happen? What, what is happening? And that's the promise of the gospel, that everyone and anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Spirit will precede your witness so you can have confidence 
that when and where you share the gospel, when and where you tell someone about your faith, when and where you invite someone to church, that the Spirit will have proceeded and prepared for you. Your stories all the time. Last night we had a pastor's banquet from our deacon, our Gideon's ministries. You hear stories all the time about people who, who, who have heard it and heard it and heard it. And then something clicks one day because someone was being obedient to the Great Commission. We're going to have children in our sanctuary or in our building this week, over 100 children. I bet I couldn't go out and, and, and entice 100 children to come to church for a week, but somehow BBS, they all come. They, they're here. Some will have heard of Jesus. Some will have been to the, our church. Some are part of our church. But they still haven't made a decision for him. They still have never placed their faith in Jesus. But for some, it will click in vacation Bible school, and they will. Some will come that have never heard of Jesus Christ. And someone will hear about it, and they will tell them this week, and they'll say, that's what I need. That's what I need in my life. The Spirit precedes the witness. There are some children that will receive it this week that have been prayed about and prayed over for years. You never know where the Spirit is working. We know at the conclusion of this sermon that Peter preached that 3,000 souls were saved that day. 3,000 off a miracle when the Holy Spirit came. There's a story of a pastor who was in a big city and he was passing a department store that he walked by every day and he knew the owner and the Spirit stopped him and said, you need to go in and, and talk to him and share Christ with this owner. So he walked past the store and said, I don't know. Okay, I'll go in. And he went in and he talk, found the owner. He said, you know, I've been here over the years. We've talked about beds. We've talked about carpets. We've talked about bookcases. But I've never talked about something with you I really want to talk to you about today. Would you give me a few minutes? And the owner said, sure, come to our, my office. They went back to his office. And the pastor took out a little New Testament he had. And he showed him the passages which brought before him that, that he needed to receive Jesus Christ. And the tears began to roll down that man's cheek that business owner and he said to the pastor this he said i'm 70 years old i was born in the city i was reared in the city and more than a hundred pastors I've, I've done business with and probably 500 people who are active in churches i've done business with but you are the only one who ever spoke to me about my soul you're the only one there are people in your life, they're just waiting. They know they, don't, they, don't, they know they don't have what they need. They're not sure what it is. They're just waiting for someone to tell them what Jesus Christ has done for them. The Holy Spirit unites us. It supports us. And it precedes our witness. It goes out before us. Holds our hand through the darkness so we won't be scared. And does the work, we just have to be obedient. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, we thank you for who you are, what you've done for us, what Jesus has done for us, how you sent him to, to live the life we couldn't live, to, to die our, our death that we deserved on the cross. And through his burial and through his, his, his resurrection and through his ascension, he's purchased eternal life for those who would believe. Lord, I thank you personally 
that I had a family that took me to church every week, that read the Bible to me at night, that allowed me to hear the gospel at an early age. And at an early age, I knew that I needed forgiveness of my sins, that that would be with you forever. Lord, there's so many children that don't have that, so many people who have not had that opportunity. So, Lord, I, I pray for special blessing in our, our vacation Bible school this week. That we will have a harvest. Lord, not that we're manipulating children or anything like this. That you will save children who know they need to be, have their sins forgiven. And you will work in their life. And maybe you'll even call some of them into ministry one day. That you will all, they will all have received your spirit. From here on, they will be different people, new people. Lord, we thank you for what you do for us. We ask these things.